love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. There is a channel here in Buffalo, 97 Rock. It's the classic rock channel. And every time we would come up here and visit when I was a kid, it was always on in my uncle's garage. And, you know, this was the music that I was raised on and my parents listened to. It explains why I'm an Umphreys fan, you know, and love the music I do now. And the DJs that are still on there, some of them I remember hearing when I was a kid. And it's just so fascinating that radio is still around, that it hasn't been totally killed off by streaming and all of these other, you know, new ways of getting your music and your entertainment and your news. You know, and anybody, if you're, those DJs are still around and it's been 10 or 15 years, it's very unusual because most of these stations have just, you know, they cleared house. Well, and some of these guys, like, I'm serious, the the one night guy that is on, Slick Tom is his name. And so you can, I'm sure, assume by his name being on a classic rock channel at 10 p.m. what his radio voice sounds like. He's been on for as long as I can remember. So that's, it's very cool to have this channel that just has these people that really almost kind of telling of Buffalo in a way. A member of the DATC media family. This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Humphreys McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Humphreys McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Let's just start at the beginning. Give everybody kind of a crash course backstory into yourself and then segue into your history and radio. Well, sure. You know, uh, I got started in this business, believe it or not, in high school when I actually went to the local radio station. I did a little bit of sports, but I always really wanted to do music because I grew up in the progressive rock era of the early and mid 70s when top 40 radio was Led Zeppelin and Leonard Skinner and Jethro Tull and the Rolling Stones. And the DJs in those days were rock stars. You could call them up and you'd say, Hey, Johnny, you know, could you play me the latest Blue Oyster Cult? And sure enough, 20, 30 minutes later, Hey, we got a listener. He wants to hear Blue Oyster Cult. So here's the, and, and that was on just regular radio. It was fantastic. It's not like it is today where everything has got homogenized. So I wanted to do that. And I talked myself, talked my way into it. So I got a job at a little AM station, 500 Watts in Statesville, North Carolina. I couldn't get on the FM, but they did put me on the AM. So, but it was top 40, but you know, so it was amongst other um, stuff at who cares any days, but it was Jackson Brown and, and Steely Dan and Warren Zevon and a few things like that. So it, it was good. I got my start, but I was making $2 and 50 cents an hour. And as you can hear, I have a, uh, you know, what I say, I have a face for radio, but I have a voice for the printed page. So I knew <laughs> that my future was not necessarily going to be long in the radio business since I didn't have that 
you know, you're listening to the Golden Radio. Here we go. You know, I, I, I'd die if I tried to do that for more than a couple of minutes. <laughs> so I decided to go in a different degree, went off to college and, and did a few things, but I knew where my heart was. And in 1993, I got myself back in the business through just happening to mention something to a friend who said, oh, you should meet my other friend. And we started our own radio company again. You know, I'm, I by this time I went from North Carolina, I was living in Chicago. So that's the number three market in the country. And there was no way that I was going to have the kinds of millions of dollars it would take to buy a radio station here. So we started our own station. It was doing mostly sports, but we got involved in some talk radio and we did some music programs and I really, really liked it. So we spent one year, we got on a station and we were able to play music for two hours a night and we loved it. And we were doing a friend of mine who was involved with us said, Oh, I got a couple of friends. They're playing. They used to be underground DJs in the seventies. Maybe we could recreate this. And so two hours on a 3000 watt station, suburban Chicago from 10 PM to midnight. And the phones would ring off the hook. And these guys were playing stuff like King Crimson and Uriah heap. And they were doing comedy from fireside theater. And this was stuff that just wasn't on the radio here. So it, it was great, but the station of course was sold and, as is, is we sort of moved along to something else. And I was just biding my time. We were doing uh, mostly what, you know, today you call it podcasting. In those days, it was called syndication. We create these shows and we would send them out. It, it, when I think back on how we used to have to do this, where we would take these shows, we would record them, we'd put them on cassette. We'd have to run them the UPS or FedEx on Thursdays. And so overnight them so that these stations could have them by the weekends. And you know, now it's so much easier. Just hit a button and you send them with WeTransfer or use, you know, or send file or whatever you want to. Uh, it's so much easier to do it now. But uh, to sort of continue the little story here, about 10 years ago, I ran into one of my friends who was working at that station I mentioned before. And he goes, look, he says, I'm doing my own streaming radio. And I'm like, I got to see this. So I went over to his house and he had this big board that he got from that station because it got sold. And he was doing a rock format and he was streaming it using both streaming it on the radio and he was doing a low power FM. So you could hear it, you know, probably within a mile radius of, of where his house was. And I was fascinated. I said, I got to do this. And he was showing me that they use software that was designed by a guy in New Zealand for $300. You know, and these stations you hear when you're listening to what I call terrestrial radio, it's very sophisticated. You don't necessarily realize how they're programming this with algorithms. That's $10,000 software. This guy made it for 300 bucks. He says, yeah, you know, you, you stream it, you use the software, you put the station on the air. I said, I'm in. So he let me his library and I spent about six months pruning it because I had to get rid of stuff that I just didn't like. I had the idea, this concept of recreating the prog rock, progressive rock stations that I used to love. And as my, my models, I think of WNEW New York, WMMR in Philadelphia, WLS here in Chicago, or if you look out on the West Coast, you know, KLOS or KFOG in San Francisco. These were stations that the DJs could pick the music. They could go out there and, you know, whether they wanted to play BB King and then play Talking Heads and then maybe play King Crimson, they could do all that stuff. And nobody said you couldn't do it. And if you look at today, the stations are all programmed by these 30 something suits who think they know what they're doing. And I will promise you they do not. And then you've got some guy sitting probably in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and he's cutting liners that are going to be heard in every single market. So whether it's Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, um, Sacramento, California, same person, that's not radio. 
that is just a, a jukebox programmed. And so I took a very different approach and I have 15,000 songs that rotate and I call the station acid flashback radio. So, you know, for those of you who um, understand that vibe, that's what we're trying to go for here. <laughs> Love How's it. that? <laughs> I love everything about it. I love everything about it, especially just you're doing your old, own thing. You knew what you wanted. You had a vision for what you wanted this station to be, and you went after it, and you did it, and you created it, and that's really badass. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so we put the station on. It's been going, you know, it's about on, on 11 years now, but you know, if you think about it, it's such a small universe when you're a single radio station and there's literally on an app like TuneIn, 30, 40,000 radio stations. It's really, really hard to be heard through the noise. So I had an aha moment in uh, Doe, right in uh, probably in late 27, early 2018. I was out visiting my son who was in Colorado at the time. And we were going to, for those of you who, who know Longmont, Colorado, Left Hand Brewing, they have a wonderful little tap room and they have vinyl night. So my son took me to vinyl night and we're explaining to the bartender, yeah, we've got the station, it's online. And I'm trying to get it on and show him on, on his iPad. And my son says to me, you know, we really need to put this on an app and make it easier. So that was our aha moment. And all along, I had cultivated relationships with other stations. The person who does a lot of my voiceover said, oh, you should check out uh, this guy named Dan who's in uh, suburban Lansing, Michigan. And there's an, and then he's told me about somebody who's in St. Louis and Kansas City. So I built this little network of other like-minded station owners. So the aha moment was also coupled with, well, let's not just put Acid Flashback on an app. Let's put as many stations as we can that all sort of share our philosophy of the independent station, large libraries, deep tracks, really well programmed. And so many of these people are refugees who were kicked out of or basically fired from some of the best stations around because they were, they, they knew too much and they could have done a better job. So, you know, these 30 somethings are all scared of somebody who's going to, you know, out program them or, or know what to do. So, we started, we launched Internet FM in 2018 with about 20 stations, and I've grown it. So I now have 50 stations, and we've got 22 different classic rock stations, and, and they're all over. Birmingham, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, the West Coast. We've got uh, two in the UK, one in France, and seven in, in the Netherlands. That's incredible. <laughs> And these are all these are all stations that we vetted. So the whole idea was, you know, because there, there there's lots of apps. There's no it's no secret you can get uh, any number of radio apps. And I said, well, we want to make sure that whatever goes on there has been vetted and been listened to. And so we'll sit there and listen to it for several hours to make sure that one, there's no repeats. That two, they're not playing garbage that you can hear on any classic hit station. And then that they presented in a in a, in a nice way. So they kind of use a lot of them use the same software that we do or some variety of it, which again, it takes the music and it's very sophisticated. I created an algorithm because you can take the music and you can divvy it up. And I want on, a, on my station, what happens is in the morning, it's going to be light and trippy. You're going to hear your Crosby, Stills and Nash, your Jefferson airplane, uh, maybe even Cat Stevens. And then as you get into the afternoon, we tend to amp it up a little bit. So uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, and then it transitions in the middle. And then it gets even better. Late at night, 
it's wide open. You know, I'll play those 20 minute songs like Echoes by Pink Floyd or Supper's Ready by Genesis. And on the weekend, it's the same thing. It's like one of my favorite songs ever. <laughs> Which one? Oh, Supper's Ready by Genesis. Yes, it's a beaut. It's a I'm beaut. a huge Genesis nerd, so. <laughs> oh, you would love it because I we basically, uh, you know, there's, I have all the early anything that's that's Peter Gabriel era Genesis with with a few exceptions. It's all in there. So you can, you know, I just played early this afternoon and by request, the Fountain of Salmasis. And so I just saw Peter Gabriel for the first time last Friday. I've been waiting my whole life to see him in person. And it was awesome. And I may have gotten emotional a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, he's playing in Chicago uh, this weekend. And I saw him in 1987 on the So Tour. Okay. Okay. So that was that was wonderful. I heard a lot of people talking about that tour in the audience. Like it was really interesting to, you know, of course, for me to be at a show that I wasn't like working at, I could just go and like totally enjoy it and experience the whole thing. But it was cool to just be in. I've never seen Peter Gabriel before. So to be in a completely different world in terms of like the fans and hearing their discussions before the show and after as we were walking out, like it was very interesting to hear comparisons to other tours people had seen. And so it was really cool to be a part of that and to hear those conversations. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I and I, and the person, somebody I know who's going, he said that, that people have said that this, the songs on this new album are reminiscent of the early Peter Gabriel stuff. Yeah, that's definitely everything that I've echoed for sure. And I mean, I've, I'm not an expert by any means. I just have my own sort of history from what my parents listened to and stuff like that and my own digging into his catalog. And I could agree with that statement, but couldn't make it as confidently as some people I know have said it and would agree with that as well. So yeah, I, I've told everybody, if you can go, like go and see it because it was... It was so awesome. The art and just the other musicians and the whole thing. Like, go if you can go. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like my friend who's going. I know two people going out to Vegas to see you two in the sphere. Oh. With this whole notion of the 360 degree art and, and projections. And I guess that they're, they're touting that as the future of music business. I would love to see a show there. I don't love you too. They're not a band that I really love. Um, but I think that they are a really cool choice for the first band to play a show there for the reason of what theatrically they're going to bring to it. They're, they have a history of putting on these huge productions and these huge tours. And so I think, I mean, I would go just because it would be a cool experience. I'm not a U2 fan, but I mean, it's probably going to be pretty awesome. Well, uh, I, it's funny. Somebody else said sort of the same thing, but I'm a big fan, but mostly because I really latched on in the first three or four albums. And if you really want to immerse, go go listen to those because there's a raw energy that they just don't have in the later stuff. And even if you will go see the, go watch the video live at Red Rocks, because that that's the U2 that I like that, uh, you know, the the spirit of the Northern of Ireland and Irish independence and, and those things. Uh, and that's a really good way to sort of get into them. I, I like their, their first three or four albums, especially uh, the first one and then War, which is such a great album. Yeah, I'm willing to go back and kind of listen to it, especially now, you know, being older and having different music tastes and kind of 
as you mature, you come back to albums that before, you know, maybe where you are in your life too, you don't feel it that way. And then you come back and you listen to it and you're like, oh, wow. That's kind of happened to me recently, interestingly, with Foo Fighters. I was never really a Foo Fighters fan. And just in the past like month or so, there's been some stuff that I've caught and Spotify is is part of the reason for that with just kind of the shuffle and it's very interesting. I was like, I've heard some of these songs so many times and it never really kind of resonated with me. And it's interesting that now that I'm older, these songs, I'm like, I'm really getting down to this album and it's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of the video clips and I like the fact that Dave Grohl, I don't know how much of this is planned, but they'll, they'll pull people out of the audience and, and they've, I've seen that a couple of times. And then they do great. I like any band that'll get out there on stage and play some covers. And even if they take the cover and make it their own and, you know, um, especially when they were doing, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I think I saw Lollapalooza. I saw some live feed from there. Yeah. That's definitely a band that I love to see. And think about it. Here's somebody, he can be world-class, not only playing one, but two different instruments, drums and guitar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't happen a lot. Nope. Nope. Not too often, unless you're Jake. <laughs> Which we're going to get to that. I'm very interested to hear how Umphreys came onto your radar. Well, first of all, they're from Chicago, which is where I live. Yeah. And one of my friends, his nephew was really into Umphreys when, for, for a period of time where he was you know, one of those people who would just go see every one of their shows. So... I've seen them, I think, two or three times. Once they played at Ravinia, which is the Ravinia Festival here in Chicago. It's like Tanglewood in Boston or Wolf Trap in Virginia. It's a very, I don't want to call it hoity-toity or bougie. but It it's is, a, though. I've been there. It totally is. Driving into there, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, so, so I saw them at Ravinia, and then I saw them at Northerly Island, which is the complete opposite. It's right downtown Chicago. It's just sort of a more of a crowd jam festival. And um, it's I've seen a lot of shows. I saw Beck there earlier next year. I'm going to go see King Gizzard there. Uh, it's a great venue. I love it. Good acoustics. Nice setup. And uh, so I've seen both combinations. And I, I saw briefly, uh, saw them in Denver too, but I wasn't able to stay at that show. The person I was with uh, wasn't feeling well. And so we unfortunately had to leave. But the thing that I love most about Umphreys is those uh, those mashups where they'll take two different songs and play them together because while I'm not a musician, I have a really good ear for music and the ability to play one song, the melody of one song and singing something else. I don't know if people appreciate how difficult that is because yeah. in your brain, you're sitting there playing Electric Avenue and then all of a sudden you're singing Bob Marley. That is really, really hard. I just don't know how they do that it's a pat your head and rub your belly sort of a thing two different things at the same time and they they pull it off to the point where personally I have started to hear songs that I'm like they this needs to be matched mashed up like I start to do my own mashup now from hearing Umphreys do it and I attribute a lot of my dad is the reason why I'm so into music the way that I am. All of my history, all my love for guitar, all of everything. It was all my dad. Um, 
But Umphreys really kind of opened a lot of things up and exposed me to other things and had me listen to things with different ears. And so that's one of the very most things that I love about Umphreys. There's a lot of things, but I love that part about it. And hearing other people, which will happen with even their cover choices, people will be like, that was the first time I've ever heard a song by whoever. Talking heads. Yeah. And so, and for some people that's true, you know, which for me is just like, what? I can't even fathom that. This is the first time you've ever heard the talking heads, but it's true for some people that's the case. And now they're like, oh, wow, that was really good. I'm going to go and check out that band's catalog. And, and now it opens up all these things that people weren't listening to before. And it's really exciting to go to music, any music, Umphreys or any band that does that. It's really exciting to go to any music and come away with that and want to not only maybe explore the band you just saw more, but to somebody else, you know, you're leaving, you're like, oh man, I really want to check out that album that that cover was on, you know, and that's what I really love about it. And I love that they don't, same thing with the mashups. They don't mash up songs and they don't cover songs just to do it. They're going to do it and they're going to do it well. They're going to do it and they're going to pay respect to the artist and the song. Make it their own, of course, but they don't just do covers just to be like, oh, well, we could just rip that out. It would be fine. You know, they do it and they do it well. Well, that's the mark of a really good artist for the dealer. You know, sort of have two schools of thought. The Todd Rundgren, which has, has an album of covers, and they are just you know note for note covers. Or you have bands like let's say Devo that take a song and just completely change it around. You know, Devo. If you want to hear some crazy covers, go listen to their cover of Satisfaction by the Stones. It doesn't sound anything like like that. There, there's some of that. There's that out there. Oh, I also remembered. I went and saw because Umphreys. I think they've. I don't know if they feel like they've burned out this bass here or they've played here so often that I look at their schedule and then go like, how come there's no Chicago show? So, so last year I actually went to, um, or was it earlier this year? I went down to DC, visited a friend and we caught him at the Anthem. Okay. We yep. That would have been like in the, probably like January winter. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I've wanted to see them down there. I heard that's a cool venue. It's a very cool venue. Yeah. I did. It's on my, my bucket list of places to see. I've seen them in a lot of places, but I haven't seen them there yet. So like, where else have you seen them? Uh, I've seen them in Iceland. <laughs> I've oh. seen them in Mexico. Um, I've seen them at Red Rocks. I've seen them in New York city. Um, I've seen them all over 125 shows currently. Oh my goodness. That's even more times than I've seen a grateful dead. <laughs> 125 shows. And, you know, now my whole everything is Umphreys. I mean, my media company and my show and, um, you know, I, I do work for, for Jake and I do all sorts of promotion and all sorts of different stuff. So it's, it's my whole world now. I love it. Well, and I just, I just like in general how this whole jam band world has evolved I and mean, people have to go back and think this really started with the grateful dead and the almond brothers yeah then as far as i can recall i would almost say really the next big jam band that came on the scene would have been fish yeah and so yeah. i'll tell you my great fish story i had a friend who i met through the grateful dead who was from maine so you know northern new england and he's going like there's this great band. They're really ripping it up here. You got to go check them out. Their name is fish. You know, if they come to Chicago, go see them. And I missed 
the first uh, iteration when they came by. I said, okay, I said, I promise I will go see them again. So they came a second time. So I went, I got tickets, they played. So this was 1991. They played a club in Chicago Damn. with about 500 people. Damn. And so I'm probably 40, 50 feet from the stage. So I've sort of been hesitant to go and see them again, only that I can't imagine that the experience wouldn't be a letdown compared to what it was like saying, Hey, I saw him in a club with, you know, and this is a place that maybe held 400 people. And I swear there were at least five or 600 people in there. It was Waldo. I've never seen it. So if the fire marshal had been in there, they would have stopped the show. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would hang on to that memory. Hang, hang on to that memory. I have seen fish probably like 16 times at this point, And I, I'm so very honest with the fact that I just, it's not for me. It's not for me. And there have been a lot of people that have been surprised by that comment, especially having a show and and being an Umphrey's expert. And people always ask me questions about music and, oh, you should check this out and whatever. And everybody's a fish fan, it feels like. And I'm like, no, I don't. It's it, It's just, it's not for me. I get it. Um, of course I get it. The, the community and, and the love for the music and the whole thing, like I totally get it, but it's just not for me. I was raised on seventies progressive rock. I mean, that's just where my heart is through and through. And so for me, it just, it doesn't feel like fish totally satisfies what I love about music. You know, I mean, I've, listen to a lot of it I will give it kudos there are some things that I you know do like but I'm not gonna go out of my way and see fish anymore I've given a chance and you know now being (laughs) being a single mom like I'm gonna I'm gonna pick and choose when I gotta like call the sitter and go to a show and you know fish just doesn't make the cut so (laughs) well if you've seen them 16 times it's more than enough time to sort of make up your mind on that for sure I'll give you a band if you haven't heard of them that this is somebody who should be on your radar. And I see a lot of fish fans there, but it's, but this band is really unique and really special. Their name is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. So some of your, some of your listeners have probably heard of them. If you haven't, they're a great band that's come out of, there's this renaissance of psychedelic rock coming out of Australia. As it was explained to me, the equivalent of the National Endowment of the Arts in Australia has gone out of their way to fund a lot of music, music festivals, create opportunities for bands to be showcased and to also perhaps get into the studio and record material. So there's all now this little exodus of bands that are all coming out of out of that part of Australia from like the Melbourne side. So there's bands like King Gizzard, Pond, the Murlocs, Babe Rainbow, and there's this wonderful renaissance. But King Gizzard is really unique. And, you know, we were talking earlier and I said there's there's three bands that I that I say are my absolute favorites among and beyond everybody else. So that is the Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd and the Peter Gabriel era Genesis. And I now have added King Gizzard to that list. And believe me, for, for them to make that and if we're talking better than the Beatles, better than the Stones, better than Led Zeppelin for the simple reason that right now. I think they're the best band out there. Um, and they're, 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 they're about to release their 25th album in 11 years. They have three different people in the group who write and compose music. They're a six piece band 
and they're incredibly talented. You know, the one thing I'll say about a band like Coldplay, if you listen to every, any one of their albums, they all, every album sounds like every other album. Well, King Gizzard has done is completely different. They've their, their album. They, they released earlier this year is metal. The album that came out before that was almost like pop and rock. They've released a microtonal album, a jazz album. They've released pure psychedelic. They've released another metal album and their range and their diversity and just musically is incredible. I've been a little overwhelmed with diving into their catalog. You know, people have just been spamming me with, you know, oh my God, you you got to get into it. You, you have to, you have to, you have to. And it, it was, it has been a little overwhelming to kind of be like, you know, where, where do I start? Where do I begin to even just kind of scratch the surface? Because I know for me, there are, even with Umphrey songs, I look back at some of the songs that now I love. And I'm like, I know there was a time where it took me a little bit to love this song. And so I'm kind of like, I want to make sure that what I really immerse myself in first is going to be like, okay, yeah, I'm in because there's so much more to listen to. Well, you know, right. You can, you can sort of dab your toe probably. And again, it depends from, from which perspective you, you want to get into it, but Nonagon Infinity is a really, really good album. And that album is designed to, it's a, it's circular album in the sense that the last song leads back to the first song. So you could literally listen to it on an infinite loop. Okay. Uh, there's another song called the murder of the universe where they've got uh, characters and there's stories behind it. Uh, there's uh, again, there, they have the microtonal albums where they tune down their guitars and it sounds very sitar like uh, my favorite album is called fishing for fishies. And that album reminds me of T-Rex. So it's sort of almost like, okay. boogie. so that's okay. why the thing is, so, and I, what I'll do is I will send you a little link to uh, a piece that we did because I made a little playlist. It's a short playlist. It's basically got one song from each one of their albums that we like, not all of them, but so that you can really dip your toe in it. Okay. Yeah. That'll be cool for sure. I'm excited about that. Okay. And, and they gained this huge following because they put out an album. It was almost a goof on the whole heavy metal genre, but all these people that really like hard rock glammed onto it. So, and, and the way they do their concerts is they mix the songs together and they also like the Grateful Dead and I suppose Umphreys and other bands, no two set lists are the same. Okay. They recently well, it makes did... sense with, I mean, as much material as they have, they'd be able to do that. Oh yeah. They played, they just did a residency tour this summer. So they did four dates. Plus they did a, a date at the Hollywood bowl and, and in no city where they usually did two or three or four shows, there was not a single repeat. And I think on the whole tour is about 90 or a hundred songs. Wow. So very grateful deadlike. And the other thing is they've started to extend out and jam. You know, one thing a band gets out there, they go on tour and they're replicating their songs note for note. You know, where's the fun in that? Just go buy the album. But when you've got a, a band in concert and they take their songs and they reinterpret them every time. And as I understand it, some of these songs have changed from the time they appear on the albums to the way they show up now. And then also in the Chicago, they did three shows here in Chicago and the night before the band went to see dead and company at Wrigley field. So the very next night in one of their songs, 
they did a little homage to the dead and they don't play any covers at all normally. So you could, if you listen very carefully to the river from the Chicago uh, salt shed shows, you can hear a little bit of, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can hear a little bit of grateful dead in there. Interesting. So they don't do covers. They don't do any covers at all. I've, I've heard teases and they'll okay. tease other songs. And I could swear I heard a little Jimi Hendrix, um, but uh, they, uh, he goes, Oh, we're not going to play that. That's all right. And, and they're just, um, they have fun on stage. They really get along with each other. They have a nice rapport with the audience. They're also very, they're very, you know, pro environment. So there were people posted pictures on Instagram where they were flying from the Seattle show to Denver for the, for the Red Rock shows. Oh yeah. Stu was on the flight with me and really and he stopped, took a picture with the guy. So, you know, they're, they're very down to earth. Now we'll see how that changes as they get bigger and bigger and bigger. They may not be able to do that, but for right now, they also put the bootlegs up so that anybody can can take them. There's several on uh, King Gizzard. I think it's on uh, King Gizzard bootlegs. If you Google that, they have several shows that you can just download and listen to them. So there's there's plenty available. There's plenty of of material available from them. So what is their stage show like? Is it very theatrical? Is there lot of pyrotechnics and the light show or is it very kind of simple and more about the music than no, it's, it's 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 all about the music but they have a very good light show and their their screens they usually they have a back background screens okay. with a lot of cool little video video snippets in it take a dip into it if you want you can go to our website there's a story on there it's called uh, king gizzard the greatest band you've never heard of and so i put a little spotify playlist that has, you know, some what would almost be like the essential King Gizzard, but you know, you can't go wrong. And it just depends on what your tastes are. If you want metal, go listen to uh rat, you know, uh, infest the rat's nest, and then go listen to the latest one, Petro Dragon, because that's all hard rock. But again, they've got um, these sort of softy jazzy albums. It's amazing. The, the, and that's what I like about them so much is that every album is completely different from every other album. That's awesome. I'm here for that. So I'm excited to to get into it. So are you going to New Year's? Are you going to Humphrey's New Year's? I don't know yet. No, I, you know, very kind of low key. You know, when you get to be an old married man, <laughs> a lot of the New Year's stuff kind of happens, kind of happens at home. So, you know, if my wife is more into that music stuff, I drag her there, but uh, probably not going to happen. But I usually, I have been known to watch uh, streams on new year's eve i saw one there's a there's a great one from a few years ago it was if you're if you're into pigeons playing ping pong they did a live show in Asheville in the middle of the pandemic and they did one of the in the middle of the show it was it was disco tunes which i thought was hysterical but they did the bgs casey and the sunshine band and you know you, you sort of want to laugh at it but when a good jam band takes those kinds of songs and owns them uh, the, the 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 product that you hear is wonderful yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Have you been to the salt shed? Yes. What are your thoughts on that place? The, the salt shed, you know, it's, it's an old Morton salt factory. That's why it's called the salt shed. Yeah. Uh, they've done a really nice job. Now I, that's where I saw King Gizzard. I saw three shows in a row. They have an indoor part and an outdoor part. So they, because they sold so many tickets, they moved it outdoors, which it was cold and rainy, which is not the ideal way to see a show. But it's a great venue. I mean, there's so many wonderful venues in Chicago uh, that we have that you can't go wrong. I have friends who live in other parts of the country and I tell them, you know, maybe where you live, it's like, let's see if there's something we can go out and see tonight. If we want live music in Chicago, it's like, well, 
what are we going to choose from all the different options there are? You've got the small clubs, you've got the, you know, the United Center, you've got, they now do shows at Wrigley Field. Then you've got kind of the middle shows, the Aragon Ballroom, the Riviera, then the Salt Shed, which I think is probably about 4,000 or so. It was a, it was, it was, an, it was a wonderful venue. I mean, the, the best venue for outdoor, I think, is Northerly Island. Yeah, I haven't been able to check that place out. I've heard I will not. I won't go all the way down. There's Tinley Park, which is the World Music Theater. That's literally where I live. It would take me an hour and a half to get there in the most ungodly traffic you've ever seen. So I really don't go there. I'm a little closer to Alpine Valley, but they just don't have the kinds of shows that they used to have. Yeah, yeah. Even when I was seeing shows at Alpine Valley in early 2000, which it's crazy to think that that was 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, I've become me personally. I've become more interested in going to clubs where it's a couple hundred to maybe 900 or a thousand people and seeing an up and coming band that's on the way up where the tickets are 25, 30, $40 there. I mean, I guess I'm fortunate in the fact that I've seen a lot of the people that I wanted to see. There aren't too many left on the list. And I just, you know, when I go back and I look at my scrapbook and I see that I paid you know, $7 to go see Jethro Tull or Fleetwood Mac or Kansas back in the day. It's just hard to wrap myself around the fact that the Eagles may want me to pay $200, $300 to go see them in concert. I'm like, they can't be 50 times better than they were back then. So <laughs> I would rather, I would rather go see, even if it's a cover band, I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you an example. I saw a great show uh, this past Saturday because uh, my son wanted to go see something on his birthday and we were looking around what's available. We ended up in a small theater, probably about 500 people there in Des Plaines, Illinois. And we saw a band called Zepparella. It was an oh. all female Led Zeppelin tribute band and they were phenomenal. Oh ah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So That's so cool. And see, if you wouldn't have had that mindset about going to see stuff like that, you would have missed out on this awesome night of music. And this coming week, I'm going to go see a band called Frankie and the Witch Fingers. I don't know a lot about them, but I've listened to them and they definitely have a little bit of that King Gizzard vibe. So it's it's psych rock. And, you know, my son is probably closer to your age. It sounds like our roles are reversed. I'm you know, I taught him everything he knows about music. And he at a very early age started to like uh, Steely Dan and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Grateful Dead. Yeah. So. Now he's, it's, it's funny how the roles are reversed because now he's really more into the music discovery. So every week we do a, and we add music to our station. He now hosts a show on Saturdays on our station called, uh, it's called psychedelic Saturday, real original name. But what, what he tries that. to do is he takes new bands that probably were inspired by by older bands and they'll take pink floyd and then he'll play you know a band and say see this band seems to have taken a lot from pink floyd so he alternates new old new old new old that's a great little show i that's love on, it that's on at one o'clock eastern time on acid flashback and so it's he goes by dj kygum and so he's the one who turned me on to frankie and the witch fingers and so we're going to go see them in a place in the bottom lounge and i think it's 900 people you that's know. cool that's 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 my jam these days. I'd much rather just go to something small, really get into it, really be up close than to be a mile away and having paid way too much. You know, I I, I paid I saw Bruce Springsteen uh, in March. Thankfully, now that it seems that he's canceled the rest of his shows. My yeah. wife had never seen him. So I took her to go see Springsteen. But, yeah, we were all the way on the other end of the of the floor. 
And I, I don't even want I'm embarrassed to say how much I paid for that ticket because it was 10 times what I paid for see him in 1980. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Who is left on your list? You said you had like a short list of who you That's have a left. Very short seen. list. Uh Stevie Wonder, I've never seen. Okay. The Eagles, I haven't seen. Uh Bob Seeger, I haven't seen. Uh, they're, they're not a whole lot. They're either dead or I've seen them. That's that's pretty crazy. You have like it's a very a short, short list. list. I, I know. I want, I want to get one of those T-shirts that says I may be old, but I've seen all the good bands. <laughs> See, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been really great. Is there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't uh, get to? Well, I, I just want to ask people what, what, what we're trying to do here. And, you know, I'm just flying solo here. I'm competing against multi-million dollar stations, but I got what I think is a pretty good sound. You know, we've got everything from, you know, B.B. King and Helen Wolf and the old blues men, all the 60s stuff, Jefferson Airplane, Santana, Fleetwood Mac. I've got every 70s band you can imagine, whether it's Jethro Tull or ACDC and a lot of 80s. I love new wave music. I, I also enjoy very much bands like Echo and the Bunnymen, Simple Minds, Depeche Mode, and then even the 90s stuff, Nirvana, all that grunge. And then, listen, because of the with help from my son, we've been really adding a lot of these, you know, new bands, bands, you know, you like, uh, for instance, Mondo Drag. We've got, again, the Frankie and the Witch Fingers is a band called Blood Ceremony out of Canada. I've added all this stuff and, and it's wonderful. And again, th these are bands that had they been around in the 60s and 70s would have been played on the stations that we love. So for anybody who's a little older and grew up with these great stations and misses them and anybody who's young and and you know, I want to tell you, there are good radio stations out there. They're certainly not what you would call classic hits. Now that stuff's garbage. They take about one or 2000 songs and they're on incest, you know, just replay again and again and again, you know, great. Sweet home, Alabama, stairway to heaven. Great songs. You know what? If I don't hear them for 25 or 30 days, I'm good with that. And for I sure. totally turn that upside down by taking, uh, you know, uh, those songs, covers of those songs, live versions of those songs, outtakes, one of the, you know, in an effort to reap more profits from streaming, all the record companies have basically gone into the vault and they've pulled out all these old records where they've got demos and outtakes and alternate versions. So I gobble that stuff up. You know, it's really cool to hear, for instance, uh, the cars, you know, just what I needed or demos of some of those uh, you're all I've got tonight are really cool. I like cool covers, you know, Billy, yeah. You know, Billy Corn and Smashing Pumpkins, they have a great cover, covers of Fleetwood Mac and also the car. So all that stuff's on my radio station 24-7. It's called Acid Flashback Radio. Um, you know, please go to internetfm.com. That kind of gets you started. And it's not just me. If you don't like what I'm playing, because maybe I'm a little too out there, I've got other great stations run by people who, like me, came out of the broadcast business and basically got pushed aside because the the people that run it nowadays just don't think that those guys have what it takes. And I completely disagree. Yeah. So whether you want to hear alternate, whether you want to hear, and we have a jam band station too, actually, there's a station that's in Northern Maine. It's called Jemp radio, coastal Maine radio. They, uh, they play all that fish. They play all that unfreeze McGee. They play all that, um, you know, string cheese that you want to hear. And then another one's called further rock radio. So if you want your jam band fix, those guys will have it. And they're all on my app. And it is available for free, although we asked if, you know, be nice enough to subscribe because, um, you know, it, it costs money. It costs me, believe it or not, about $3,000 a year to pay the royalties because it's only fair 
that the artists, the writers, the producers get their share of the money. And so what we decided to do was after five years of giving out there for free, we put a bunch of bells and whistles and we're basically only asking $5.99 a month, $4.99 a month, excuse me, or $49.99 a year to get all this music with no commercials. That's not bad at all. People pay so much more for serious radio. And like my mom has it in her car. They play the same stuff. Like even if you listen to the deep tracks channel on Sirius, I'm like, this is not a deep track. Oh, I couldn't agree. <laughs> like, with you. And if you didn't say it, I was going to say it because even, <laughs> I mean, there's, they have good stations. I don't want to diss what they do because they were one of the first ones to get out there and really, um, you know, widen out their playlist. But yeah, even Radio Margaritaville, you listen to it for a couple of days, you'll hear the repeats. Well, the way I program my station is one, there's no song that you will not hear more than once a week. And then I have a whole number of songs, probably about a third of this, of, this, of the uh, music. You're only going to hear once a month. So I promise you, you will not get tired of listening to my station. Oh, yeah. So usually when I have a conversation with people on my show, I leave them with one final question and so i'm going to ask you to describe umphreys mcgee in three words imaginative creative and fascinating i love it well this was awesome please send me all the things and make sure you send me all the links and stuff so Everybody listening, take a scroll through the show notes. I'm going to just load up a bunch of stuff in there. So definitely scroll through there and make sure I put a bunch of nerdy stuff in there because I'm a music nerd. My listeners are music nerds. So please feel free to. Well, that that's who we want. You know, it's a, I like to say it's a, it's created by passionate music fans and aimed at passionate music fans. Perfect. Well, that you hit the nail on the head with me and definitely with my listeners. So yeah, I'm excited to to check it out and get into all this. So thank you. Well, my pleasure, Sarah. Thanks a lot for having me.